This is Certified, the OCS Prep Podcast. I'm Alexis. And I'm Amanda. And we're here to help you prepare for your OCS exam. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about low back pain with mobility deficits. So this is the first subcategory of low back pain that we're going to address. This category of patients um, is further broken down into the acute group and the subacute group. So if you'll recall from our introduction episode, the acute group is generally pain with a month or less, and the subacute is going to be somewhere between that two and three month range. So the presentation of patients in the acute group of low back pain with mobility deficits, you're going to generally see restricted range of motion and segmental mobility deficits. That, like I said, the pain's going to be less than one month in nature. Their pain's probably going to be in their low back, could radiate to their buttock or thigh, and is reproduced with the provocation of the involved segment, meaning when you're doing a PA mobilization at that level, likely could be um, indicative of a problem at that segment. If no red flags are present, no imaging is indicated in this group. The onset is also often linked to a specific mechanism of injury or, or a, recent, a recent event. Patient will likely be able to recall that for you. In your examination, two most important things to take a look at are observing their lumbar range of motion actively, and then also, like we talked about, their segmental mobility. Ideally, you're assessing this in prone with a PA mobilization, looking for a pain provocation response indicative of that single segment involvement. Interventions for these groups. There's a few things we're going to talk about. Most heavily researched in the acute pain, um, the acute group with mobility deficits is going to be thrust manipulation. This is given at a level A recommendation. And this guideline was initially developed by Flint et al. as a level two study. And he came up with five variables that would indicate success with a thrust manipulation. Those five variables are the duration of symptoms less than 16 days, symptoms proximal to the knee, lumbar hypomobility, at least one hip with greater than 35 degrees of internal rotation, and a fear avoidance belief questionnaire, specifically the work subscale, less than 19. Four out of five predictors positive is going to increase the probability of success with thrust manipulation to 95%. Childs at all then went back and validated this cluster, found something similar for four out of five predictors, and his study was actually a level one study, so a little bit, a little bit better research study. He determined that the positive likelihood ratio of this four out of five variable cluster was 13.2. So in terms of positive likelihood ratios, that's really good. And then this study found that the results after a thrust manipulation were still significant at a six-month follow-up. So that's pretty good. A pragmatic rule has also been published based on two factors. Those two factors are duration of less than 16 days and symptoms proximal to the knee. So overall research on thrust manipulation suggests that patients receiving a thrust manipulation are at a decreased risk of disability if we identify them correctly and they're in that acute phase. I think clinically the hardest part about this is getting them in that really acute phase. Um, like we talked about in the intro episode, these acute patients are not always the most commonly seen patients. A lot of times they try to manage it on their own for a few weeks. By the time they actually get in the clinic, it could be two, three weeks later then they're kind of more in that subacute range and the research isn't quite as good to indicate a thrust manipulation. Not to say you can't, just understand where the research is defined for those. 
it's important that after a thrust manipulation that you provide therapeutic exercises to improve their mobility and help with that carryover. Um, research also suggests a level A recommendation considering to use repeated movement exercises or that McKenzie approach, again, using your clinical judgment based on the patient's response. So are they getting improved range of motion and or symptom reproduction or um, centralization based on any specific movement? And then a level B recommendation within this group is providing patient education that reduces fear, promotes active activities, and minimizes their pathoanatomic discussion or concern. So patients obviously read a lot and they all, everybody knows somebody that's had this. It's really about us decreasing the emphasis on the pathoanatomic, you know, mindset to to try to help them understand, you know, we can't really indicate what's going to, you know, we can't really implicate one structure. What we need to address is what we, what you're presenting with, and that's getting you moving and giving you some active treatment strategies to kind of overcome this acute episode of back pain. When we move a little bit more into that subacute low back pain with mobility deficits, we're going to see a lot of similarities and crossover, um, but a few differences here. So their presentation is going to be pain occurring closer to the end of the range of active movement, and it's going to be either during active or passive movements. Their primary complaint is going to be stiffness, specifically in their low back, but they may present with uh, limited mobility through their thoracic and or lumbar spine, their pelvic girdle, and their, or their hip joints. So they're probably going to have a little bit more hypermobility than an isolated segment. Um, it's important to check, check multiple joints for these folks. Symptoms are primarily unilateral in the low back, buttock, or thigh. So again, could be similar location of symptom presentation, but you're going to see some differences in their objective measures. When you're doing your examination, in addition to assessing their lumbar range of motion, you also really want to make sure that you're assessing their bilateral hip range of motion. Specifically, it's suggested flexion, extension, and internal external rotation. Again, segmental mobility is really important here. Still using that prone position if, if able with a PA mobilization. And again, pain provocation at any specific segment is going to be indicative of involvement there. When we talk about interventions in this group, there isn't a one specific strong recommendation like there is for the acute group in the manipulation, thrust manipulation. It is recommended to use manual therapy to improve both their spine and their hip mobility. In these patients, that's going to go hand in hand a little bit more being in that subacute group. We want to provide therapeutic exercises to improve their mobility of their spine and their hip. And in this group, though, you will still see that level A recommendation for those repeated movement exercises or directional preference from the McKenzie approach. So it's a good way to start screening them. And then, again, you want to provide the patient education that reduces fear, promotes those active activities, reduces bed rest, and, again, minimizing that pathoanatomic discussion or patient education. And that's, again, a level B recommendation. So those are really the two categories for low back pain with mobility deficits. It's kind of quick, short, and sweet, but I think that that breaks it down pretty well. A couple hallmark signs to be looking for in that acute population. A couple things to be noting as differences in the subacute population. Um, but then what we'll do next is go through um, movement coordination impairments and what low back pain looks like in those patients. Alexis, did you have anything you wanted to add for the mobility deficits here? No, I don't think so. I think this is um, pretty straightforward information. So hopefully it's helpful to you guys having us kind of break these down. And that way, 
you know, if you want to just review one back pain topic um, separate from the others, this should be easier for you. But no, I think that pretty much covers it. Great. And as always, if there's any questions, you can reach out to us, Instagram, email, whatever is easier for you. We'll be happy to get back to you. Thank you. Thanks so much.